Hi, my name is Sam Williams, and welcome to episode number 176 of my 16 Music Podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. So first of all, I'd like to welcome all of you to episode number 176 of May 16 Music Podcast, the Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and for those of you who are just now discovering this podcast, you're on the Apple Podcast app, or on Stitcher, or on iHeartRadio, or on Google Play Music, or on Spotify. And you're wondering, so what the heck is, I'm going to give you a description of what the show's all about. Okay, so I'm Sam Williams, and I'm a 26-year-old songwriter slash producer, but I'm also a 60 music fan slash expert slash nerd. Easy with this podcast to take one song by one artist and stick you split the show in two parts. First part of the show is talking about my opinion of the song and why I think it's so good, or why I think it sucks, and do my own personal analysis on the range of the song, which will include the chords, playing lyrics, and second part of the show deep deep into the history behind that track. And that part of the show talk about who wrote the song, who produced it, what studio the song is recorded at, talk about the session players that played on the song, the producers that produced it, the songwriters that recorded that wrote the song, the artists that recorded it, and musicians that played on it, whether it be the session musicians and band members themselves, talk about the pr- the studio the song is recorded at, peak music song made originally built with the Hot 100 charts before it came out, year and month the song is released, all that is in the second part of the show. Now, before we move on this week's episode of the podcast, I have some very good news for you. Now, I know I've been a little bit absent with the show. Um, you know, it's it's funny, like, I, I, my, my life is a little crazy right now, and uh, I, I, it's hard for me to just dedicate one specific day a week for me to upload these episodes, um, you know, with, my, with what I'm doing with my school and some other things, too. Uh, you know, so I just, it's one of those things where it's like, it's hard for me to just pick one specific day for me to just upload and have that be the one day where I do, where every, every week I upload my episodes on the exact same day. It's been kind of scattered all over the place, but that's just because my life is a little bit crazy right now. So, um, you know, I mean, there's some, some, some weeks where I don't like, I'll, I'll put an episode down and won't be, you won't see another one until the end of the next, the following week. So it's just a little, it's just a little crazy with me right now, but I, I, I just want, I just want to, just, w- just want you guys to know that I'm gonna keep doing this podcast for the time being because I love doing it, and there's so much more ground to cover from the '60s that I haven't done yet. So I'm, I'm really excited to keep doing this, this podcast, and you know, also like, like I've, like I, like I've been saying for a while, please subscribe to the premium subscription version of my podcast because then you'll be able to hear all these really cool interview episodes I'm doing, and. Uh, I, I also wanted to let you guys know that I'm very close to finishing my next EP because I'm finally doing another vocal session on Monday. And yes, uh, this this might this will be one of the last recording sessions I'll do for this EP. I'm very close to the, these songs being done. The turquoise apricot got the guitar put on it, and those and those and those parts are done. So. All we need to do is just put lead vocals on, and then we are finished with this EP as far as recording is concerned. So what that means is that I'm going to try something with you guys just to see if you guys might, you know, if, if, I, if, if you guys would, would be interested. Um, I'm, I might do a little, I'm, I'm going to try to entice you a little bit to see if you guys, you know, really want to hear this next EP and if you guys are interested. Um, basically what I'm going to do is that, um, once I have the, the rough mixes back for the EP, the, the rough finished completed final mixes, f- not, not, not like final mixes, but you know what I'm saying? Like a rough, when, once I get some rough draft mixes back of this EP, um, I'm going to do this. If you subscribe to the premium subscription version of my podcast, then I will, I will send you one or two songs from the rough mixes for this next EP. But I'm not going to send you the whole thing because it's only five songs. And I don't want you guys to hear the entire thing before it's out. So, you know, I'm going to you know, just just once I see that you've subscribed to the premium subscription version, then I can see that you, I can see your name. I can see your email address. I will send you uh, two two songs from uh, this EP of my choosing and I will send you the rough mixes of them. And then, yeah, and you'll get to hear these songs before they're out. But that's 
if and only if you subscribe to the premium subscription version of my podcast. Because we're, we're really getting close to getting done with this EP. Um, it's, it's, we're, inches aw- we're inching away from these songs getting ready to be mixed and mastered. And also, like, you know, when this EP is out, I hope you guys check out my last one, too. I mean, I've been saying that forever, that you guys should check out my last EP. Um, because that, that one's really good, too. I like that one a lot as well. I mean, these next batches of songs are definitely going to be the, nec- uh, the next level in regards to production quality. But still, I mean, these songs are g- still going to sound great. I mean, like, you know, those songs on my last CB sound good, and so will these these next batch of songs. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have a release date for this EP yet. I mean, I'm thinking that by before the summer, I will have the final mixes back, and I'm, I'm, I can con- I'm pretty sure I can confidently say that before the summer starts of this year, I will have the final mixes back. Now, regar- now whether how I'm going to release these songs, I don't know. It's only five songs. So I have no clue if it's going to be three songs or two and then the EP. I don't know. I really don't know how this release is going to happen, but it will happen. So just you know, keep your ears to the, low to the ground for me, and I will keep you guys updated once I have the rough mixes back, completely finish the vocals and everything. But I'm very excited to put these vocals down for these songs. And I've been practicing singing too, so that's another reason why I've been a little sidetracked with podcasts. But don't worry, hadn't forgotten about you guys. And uh, let's get started this week's show. Okay, so I've been thinking kind of long and hard about what to do for my podcast next. And, you know, it's just been one of those things where it's like, I, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to decide what to do for my podcast. And usually the way what helps me decide what artists and song to talk about each week is looking back on my previous episodes and seeing what I haven't done in a long time. And I've noticed that it had been a while since I've done a Southern artist. Uh, I haven't dipped into the South in a minute. And I thought to myself, okay, so let's do another South Southern record. Let's record it. Let's do another song that was recorded in the South. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Why don't we do a Southern record? But we also followed it up with a modern song from a modern band that's from recent years that echoes the sound of the South. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do like a like a modern Southern R&B soul record that 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 has you know a specific sound of what was classified as Southern soul back in the sixties? Why don't we? And then next week we'll do the modern day version of that, the modern day equivalent of that. And I thought, what the heck? Let's do this. We haven't done that since the girl, since I did the girl group thing with she and him and the crystals. Let's do this. Let's do that again. So that's what I'm doing. So this week I'm gonna just cover. It's gonna be one episode. It's just gonna be on one song, and then I'll talk about the story behind it. I'll talk a little bit about the song's genre, but then I'll really dive into the history behind the song. It's a one-hit wonder, so there's not much story. There's not much story there is to tell behind this. But I'll talk more about the genre a little bit. This song falls into as well. But this is a really great song, and you know what? It's one of those '60s records where it's my kind of song, because I'm a, I'm I'm a type I'm a, I'm I'm a type of guy who can really relate to this song and on many different levels, and it's 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 another one of those '60s songs that doesn't follow the typical like romance sort of um, plot line of boy meets girl and they fall in love and then they get married or then and then they break up and then everything's in shambles and it's ha- and then it's not happily ever after. I mean, it doesn't really follow that plot line specifically, but it's a really, really good, catchy song that has a great arrangement, great vocal performance, great instrumental performance by the band. And it's something that's, that's definitely more relatable for me. And it's something that's a little bit more universal when it comes to most straight guys now gay guys it's a completely different story but gay guy, but straight guys will definitely be able to relate to the song and that's who i'm kind of talking about you know i'm talking about uh this with this week i mean if you're straight i'm talking to you man you got to listen to this because i think you'll be able to relate to it quite a bit okay so i'm very excited to talk about this song uh this record came out in july august of 1968 it's by a group called the occasions the name of the song is called Girl Watcher. I'm a girl watcher. 
I'm a girl watcher, watching girls go by. My, my, my. I'm a girl watcher. Wow. This I'm song is watcher. so freaking good. Oh, my God. You know, it, it's one of those records that it's really tough to dislike. You really have to be like, like, it's hard to dislike this record. It's so good. It's such a feel-good, great uh, record. I, I love this song so much. I mean, it's just amazing. I It's so bouncy. It's so vibrant. It's so upbeat. It's just great. And we're going to talk about what makes a song so good, both musically and lyrically. But first, let's get into the song's music. Okay, there's a even though this song has a very vibrant and very upbeat, very just great, you know, arrangement, you know, there's a lot of things to pay attention to with this song. You know, it's a it's a it's a great it's a great song in general. I mean, it's just so happy. It's so like it it, it definitely has a feel good vibe to it. But there's a lot going on with the song arrangement wise that I, it's definitely worth talking about. I mean, there's so many things happening with the song's arrangement, but it's just great overall. I mean, it's in a major key, and I, I'm kind of biased towards songs with major keys anyways. Um, but there's a there's a lot happening with this song. It's, it's definitely one of those records that it's worth kind of just analyzing and talking about what's going on within the arrangement of this song because there's a lot happening. Um, first of all, there, there's there's two things I want I want you to kind of focus on. The bass and the guitar. And the, actually, three things: the bass, the guitar, and the drums. Because the way they're behaving on this record is just brilliant. The bass players, the bass line, the bass players playing—it's so carefully placed and so well played that the bass player is covering beats that the drummer is is not. Or actually, more or less. The the bass player and the drummer are very much complementing each other. They're they're pl- they're playing the same kind of groove, and the and the guitar player is filling in the empty spots that aren't being played in the rhythm of the song. But when you when you especially it's so cool because you really hear the arrangement of the song come together, especially in the intro when you hear the bass, because the bass starts starts up the song. Man, I mean the the bass has that pickup note in the beginning of the song. And then, the, and then it begins the the bass the bass begins that pickup note, and then you hear the drums, and then you hear the guitar, you know, and the organ sort of just all blend with each other in the beginning, and it just sounds so cool. I love that, you know. I mean, the the, the that that is just amazing. I love how those things sort of blend together so well. You got the the organ player doing the whole notes, the guitar playing the sort of syncopated 16 note groove, and the bass player doing those sort of dotted uh, eighth notes happening. I mean, that is so cool. I love how, I love how in this particular song, everyone's doing something different as far as the rhythm is concerned, but it all kind of comes together and it blends together quite nicely. That's what makes a song so great musically. And of course, like, you guys should know this by now. I mean, yes, the song does have my favorite chord in it, the minor seven over the eleven or the nine sus four chord. I mean, it's in there. It's and it's and it, and it sounds really cool. I mean, I love that because the bass, the song, the song's chorus goes one to three to two, two minor, but then it goes to, uh, from from actually, actually one three minor seven two minor seven, and then it kind of does that. Uh, and then it does that does that chord that I love so much. I mean, I I love that. That is so cool. I think that is really really good. Um, you know that 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 minor that not at that nine sus four chord or minor seven eleven. I love that that change in that song. It's really really good. Also, another thing to keep in mind about this record are the horns. The horns are really really cool because they're they're melodic and they're and they're very and they're vibrant and they're present. And they just have a catchy feel to them. That's and the horns, you know, are really sort of the stars and the sh- are star of the shows on, on this record. They're 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 really prominent. I mean, last record we did, the horns were kind of laid back. They were they you know they weren't trying to get away with the vocals, but in this song, the song just has just has one singer on it. I mean, there's it does a harmony part, but that's basically it. It's just one vocal. I mean, you know, that's it with the harmony. Uh, you know, one lead vocal harmony, and that's it. So there's more room for the instruments to kind of take over and just really, uh, you know, you know, be the stars of the show. I mean, with the drummer and the bass player and the guitar player, you know, sort of just blending in together, creating this very unique sound. And also, you know, it 
if there's any other if there's any record from the sixties where it's so obvious when the drummer's playing the high playing the ride cymbal, uh, it's this song because it's you know the ride cymbal is it, it it plays a very important part to this record because you know you can you know you can hear right away when the when the drummer goes to that ride cymbal. I mean it's so obvious on this record, but a lot on a lot of records it's not so obvious when the when the drummer goes to the ride cymbal, you, you, you don't always hear that. I mean, it's, it's sometimes you can hear clear as day, sometimes you can't. But in this record, it's obvious that the drummer is going to the ride cymbal. I mean, the ride is, plays such an important part of this record because it's just like, it's just a rhythmic sort of hypnotic thing happening that kind of, it, it's, a, it's a toe tapper for sure when the drummer goes to that ride cymbal. I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's what makes the song really. Also, the rhythmic changes from the verses to the choruses is great too. The, the the rhythm of the verse is so cool. It kind of does sort of this weird sort. It's a it's a very sick, sort of syncopated sort of a uh, you know quadruplet kind of a thing. It's so cool. I love that. I mean, I love how the horns horns follow that. And everyone else follows that too. It's just a great uh, rhythm happening there. It's so cool. And, you know, it's just, and the guitar playing, and here's the other thing about this genre, and this is why it might be appealing to you if you're not super familiar with it. A lot of these, a lot of the guitar parts played on a lot of these Southern soul records are very Jimi Hendrix-esque. I mean, you know, Jimi Hendrix uh, utilized a lot of, um, you know, you know, idolized a lot of these uh, Southern soul um, you know, uh, guitar players like Jimmy Johnson and got, and even like up north in Chicago with like Curtis Mayfield. I mean, that's the kind of guitar playing that Jimmy Hendrix wanted to do on his songs. That slide, chick, um, not not quite chicken picking, but that double soft kind of a feel. You know, I mean, like you know, that's that's kind of what he wanted to. Uh, that's the kind of guitar playing he wanted to do on, on these songs. That that slide double stop kind of. N- kind of chicken picking but not really not super country but still kind of in that same vein i mean that's that's what jimmy hendrix wanted to do he wanted to sound like those southern soul guitar players and he and he utilizes a lot of that playing in a lot of his records especially in songs like electric ladyland well when you listen to the song you'll notice that you'll hear a lot of jimmy hendrix kind of feel as far as the rhythm guitar playing is concerned it's very jimmy hendrix sex so if you're a fan of jimmy hendrix you'll love songs in the southern soul genre i mean there's far more to explore other than other than just with this one song but this is a pretty good example of that it's such a great record i love every aspect of the song and especially in 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 the verses when it when it does all those cool chord changes with it, you know, it does. You hear that. You hear the the the, the major three, the six, and the flat seven to the four, and then you hear and you hear that like, really cool sort of t- you know uh, two minor five thing going on the two five one. I mean, that's that's awesome. And then you know, it's really really cool. I mean, there's so many different things about this record that is just the the beauty, the sound of the song is so vibrant and so feel good too like when you listen to this it's just the feel good energy of this record is really what makes it so appealing even if you're not too crazy about the lyrics the feel good energy of the song is really what sells it that's that that's that's the thing about this record it's just the feel good vibes in this song are so great and I, that's one of the reasons why i love it so much and uh it's just it's just a greatly arranged record everyone's doing their own specific everyone has their own specific role that they're doing but it just when it all comes together, it sounds amazing. It sounds really, really good. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about what makes a song so good lyrically. Okay, so here's here's another reason why I love this song, and I can and then another reason why is because I can totally relate to lyrics. Just for the record, this song isn't your typical love song. It's not necessarily about a guy just being head over heels in love with a girl who. You know, and she, you know he's just in madly in love with her personality, loves everything about her, and wants to be with her forever, and like doesn't really fall into that category, not necessarily. Um, and this is the main reason why I love this song is because the lyrics perfectly describe a man's sexual attraction towards a woman, a man who is definitely. Not necessarily in love with a girl, but totally has the hots for her and, and just really is drawn to a woman's beauty and a woman's looks. Um, you know, that's that's what's so appealing about this record. When you listen to it, it's really about a man who, you know, who who can control himself, 
but at the same time, he's so horny because you know he sees this girl that he really is has a strong sexual attraction for, and for all we know, this could be just a random girl he meets off the street, and you know, and the and this could be a girl that he doesn't even know, you know, it's one of those things. And, you know, and, and the song kind of hints that maybe he's at a strip club because especially in the second verse when he's like, I wonder if you know that you're putting on a show, would you please walk a little closer? I mean, like, you know, that that lyric could mean that he's at a strip club and the girl's stripping on, on top of him. Who knows? It's hard to know exactly what this song is about lyrically, but that, that, that could be a hint to that sort of thing. But it's really... It's a really good song, and look, it's it's definitely relatable because if you're a guy and you like girls, then you'll be able to relate to the song because I know that, you know, when you go to your go about your day to day, you go to the grocery store, you go to Target, you go to wherever, and and you're always sort of the guy in the song. You're kind of the girl watcher most of the time, you know, unless you're kind of focused on doing something specific and you and you can't get distracted. But a lot of times you do get distracted because. To be honest with you, like, you know, pretty girls are basically everywhere you go. You know, it doesn't matter if you're at a restaurant or if you're at a bookstore or if you're at wherever you are, you're always going to run into hot girls. They're always going to be there. So and what he's talking about in this song is that, um, you know, when he was just a little guy, when he was before, before this is probably before you got into puberty, right? When he was just a little 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 boy, you know, he he discovered women, and then he's like, you know, forget about playing with, you know, you know, with toys. I'm I'm gonna watch girls instead, you know, and and that's something that happens to every single man who is attracted to women biologically, you know, they go through puberty, and when they're going through when they're a kid, they like talk, they like playing toy, they like playing with toys, they're into other things. But then they discover the beauty of the girls, and that's what, uh, you know, they, they find that appealing, and they find that attractive, and they can't help but be att- physically attracted to women, you know, who are quote-unquote hot. I mean, that's totally subjective, but you get what I'm saying, right? I mean, this is what happens to every single guy out there. And he's just talking about how, you know, he, he can't help but be a girl watcher whenever he's out in public. And I, trust me, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of this. I mean, I've been to... I've been to the grocery store and I, I've 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 caught myself staring at some ladies for sure. I've I've been to some public places and I'm and I and I've and I've caught myself you know looking at young girls and who are or older women. I mean like just just hot girls in general. I've I've caught myself you know looking at a lot of young attractive women or you know older attractive women. You know because that's what I want. I don't want someone who's same age as me, I want someone who's a little bit older, but I, I've caught myself looking at girls I find sexually attractive. So this is, I can, this is me. I mean, I'm a girl watcher. Wa- I'm a girl watcher watching girls go by. I mean, my, my, my. I mean, <laughs> I love that too. And he's like, my, my, my. <laughs> you know, I like, he, he just, he's just, he totally isn't afraid to admit that he is totally 100% attracted to girls in a sexual way. And he's not afraid to express that in the song. And that's why I love about it so much. This guy, the balls are really right a song like this it's just it's really really good i mean i really appreciate a song like this and it's definitely relatable to me because i'm definitely a girl watcher and maybe you are too if you're listening to this podcast and you're a young guy and you're attracted to girls i mean you definitely this is definitely something that's universally relatable to most men even if you're in a relationship because i'm sure if you you know even if you have a girlfriend or a wife i'm sure you've, you've, you've noticed like a lot of hot girls at the grocery store, and you just like, of course, you can't make a move on them because you're in a relationship. But I've, I, I've seen this happen with other with guys personally. I noticed that they, they they can still be physically attracted to other girls even though they're they're in a relationship with a woman. So I mean, this this hap- I mean, this song is so universally relatable, but it's and it's so good. I love every aspect of this record. It's just great. Just a really really fantastic song. It's very, very relatable, and you know, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something that is, is you know, it's it's possible for for guys to really ap- appreciate this song. You know, if you're especially if you are, um, you know, a guy that is, you know, straight. You know, it's it's definitely, um, uh, and also it's the the song has kind of. A a, a a a lyric that's kind of hard to hear 
Because in the second verse, he says, whenever I detect them there of the other sex, which doesn't make any sense, really. He might be just saying, whenever I detect them birds of the other sex, which was English slang for girls. And it was a popular phrase back then in the 60s that describing women um, for men. So that might be what we'll, 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 we'll be singing there, but you never know. Um, anyways, uh, let's, look at, let's get into the history behind this one. Moving on, let's talk about the history behind this song, which is Girl Watcher, and the group is called The Occasions. But more importantly, let's talk about Carolina Beach music for a second. Because a lot of you may not be familiar with this genre at all. Which is understandable, because unless you were from a certain area in a certain part of the country, and you grew up in the 60s, you're probably not going to know what beach music is. But it's a very interesting genre of music because, you know, it's not surf rock. It's not the Beach Boys. It's not, you know, Jan and Dean. It's not it's not that kind of surf music. That was that was, you know, West Coast surf. That was like Southern California, L.A., you know, beaches, girls, cars, that whole thing. That was Southern California. Um, but this was actually um, the eastern shores, uh, uh, you know, on the east coast, uh, particularly in the south, uh, in, you know, the Carolinas, as they call them. But the reason why this, this genre of music is very interesting is because it came about at a time when it was the mid-60s, right? And at the time, it was in the south, and young teenagers were anxiously wanting to get exposed to a very s different kind of genre of music other than the white trash country music of what was being played on country music radio stations at that time. They wanted something different. They wanted more of a blacker sound, you know, a sound that they weren't getting on mainstream radio at that time. The sound that they could only get if they if they if they if they packed up their 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 belongings and hiked up to the to the South Carolina beaches, and they went to the boardwalk and they heard uh, this music being played there both live and also through jukeboxes, and that's the only way they could hear this really great music, which was basically Northern R&B soul. I'm talking the Drifters. I'm talking Benny King. Um, I'm talking many different genres of music. I mean, Garnet Mims and the Enchanters. I mean, basically this this whole sort of you know genre basically uh, became associated with um, you know the the music that was coming out of you know the the beaches of North Carolina and South Carolina, and basically the this this genre of music was known as Carolina Shag. And basically, it, it, it came from, you know, the grandstand communities from Myrtle Beach, Carolina Beach, and the Golden Isles of Georgia. And it basically, it happened because at this time, you know, you know, th this, you know, radio stations like WALC and, you know, in, 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 in Nashville, I mean, they, they didn't really play a whole lot of, you know, um, you know, it's well. Check this out. So, WALC Nashville, Tennessee, played a lot of rhythm and blues, and you know, pops and and R and B songs. So, you know, R and B and blues, and basically, um, that's that's how they got exposed to, uh, the 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 southern kids got exposed to a lot of this music, and but but the only way they can hear it is through stations like WALC in Nashville and some other stations too. You know, uh. You know, it basically that's that's how they got exposed to a lot of it, and a lot of these groups included the Maurice Williams and Zodiacs, the Tams, the Times, and of course the Motown artists like the Temptations, Four Tops, Chairman of the Board, and even some even some white pop groups too, like more like songs like More Day Than Yesterday by Spiral Staircase, and Build Build Me Up Buttercup by the Foundations, and you know this 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 was just something that happened. You know when you know the southern kids were wanting something more than just the white white trash country music that they were hearing on the radio stations at that point, and they oftentimes you know flocked to the beaches to hear a lot of this music, both live and in person as well. You know through the jukeboxes that were playing a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, but again, it was R and B soul music that 
the Southern kids really wanted to hear, wanted to identify themselves with, and not necessarily the white trash country music that you know, that that the more the adults are more popular with. So that's that's the basic, the feel of Carolina shag, the beach music of that time. It's basically Southern kids who wanted to identify themselves with more rhythm and blues and, and soul and the black music, and not necessarily the white trash country stuff that they're that they're that that they're. That they're their parents were into they wanted something more that they what they could identify with and it was kind of cool because both black and white kids were being into a lot of this music too and this sort of brought a, a, a they brought they put it sort of put things together with the races that brought a blend of both of those races kind of coming together at a time when there was a lot of just hate you know whites hating the blacks at that point during the civil rights movement that era and the carolina the carolina beach music scene in that time really was a good common ground between the white kids and black kids at the South at the time when things were so separate and there was so much, you know, being done to sort of dry that separation or, you know, break down that separation and bring the two races together. I mean, this, this, this music, a lot, this Carolina beach music scene really did a lot to do. We did a lot to do that. Um, but yeah, just that's, that's basically what, um, you know, the Carolina beach music, you know, scene was, and this group is from North Carolina. Uh, they're from Kenley and they call themselves the occasions and they, they're first called the K's and then they, they added the O to their name, you know, just to, just to, just to basically get, you know, a, a little bit, um, you know, to, 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 to sync themselves probably from another band called the Tay called it called the K's and they were signed to the North state label owned by a guy named Ronald, Ronald Collette and who actually was Buck Trail, the guy who co-wrote this song? So Buck Trail co-wrote the song. The owner of North State Label was with the with the with the uh, with the member of the occasions who played guitar, Wayne Pittman. They co-wrote this song, and they first recorded it in in a, in a budget recording studio in in North Carolina called Pit Sound Studios in Greenville. And it was th- it was them the the lineup of the group at the time was Donnie Weaver on organ lead vocals. Wayne Pittman on guitar, Eddie Demet on trumpet, Gerald Toller on saxophone, Jimmy Hinnett on bass, and Steve Watson on drums. That was the initial lineup for, uh, you know, the 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 group. And Donnie Weaver, of course, played sang and played organ, so he was the lead singer of the group. So they 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 went to the studio to record the song in in Pitt Sound Studios in Greenville, North Carolina. Now, here's the, I actually want to want to do this because, um, there's there's allegedly uh, an earlier version of the song, sung from a woman's perspective, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? This song had a had a, there was an earlier version of the song sung from a girl's perspective. Yes, that is very very true. And I'm gonna play for you a short little clip of that. I'm gonna show you what the song sounded like before this group did it, allegedly, because there you know there's there's a whole thing about this. I mean, there's a chance that you know they did it first, and then this is a cover, but. Version, that version got released first, and then theirs got released second. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows if this was the original version and this and the occasions version was a cover, or if it was the other way around, and which another version got released first and this one got released second. I don't really know what happened, but all I know is that there is an existing version of this song from a woman's perspective, and I have to play for you this version because this is going to blow your freaking minds. Check this out. It's really mind blowing to hear what the song song sounds like coming from a girl's perspective. <laughs> it's it's so like reverse like anything that's been talked about recently with like you know girls coming cracking down on guys for sexual harassment. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it it's 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 so reverse any of that because here it's sung from a woman's perspective, so she's singing. I'm a boy watcher. <laughs> I mean. Like, it's so crazy. It's just, it, you know, it's funny, like, how, like, this song being sung this way can really show you that girls can definitely check out guys just as much as guys check out girls. It, 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 the reverse is just as true. I mean, it goes both ways for sure. 
Um, but yeah, that's really fascinating. I don't know if that was the original version of that. I, I, re- I have no idea, but it's really, really interesting to hear what that song sounded like or, or when it was done from a woman's perspective. And yeah, so um, now here's the thing. So the song was released on the North State label originally, right? And it came out in March 1968. That was actually the original uh, release date for the, for the North State single. And then here's kind of where it gets a little bit murky as far as the song's history is concerned. Um, supposedly, what happened was that the North State uh, label supposedly lost the you know master tape of the song, um, but and then basically what happened was that there there you know the 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 North State single the what what ABC uses the as their their master for this song as they took the needle drop 45 version that was released on North State and just copy that over to the ABC 45 of this release but the thing is is that that is proved that has been proven to be false because according to the original members of the band uh you know Wayne Pittman thinks that ABC took you know the, that label took the original uh, master recording of that song and they still own it um, basically, uh, you know, MCA who bought out the ABC record label, uh, basically now owns the master of the song and the group still receives royalties from MCA. So, I mean, I, th- I think it's, you know, and it's funny cause like when listening to the song, it kind of makes you wonder, like, is that even true? Because and that it's possible that might be true because when you listen to recordings of it now, it sounds really crude. It doesn't sound polished. It sounds like li- literally the, the even the versions that are up on the streaming platforms, it literally sounds like a forty five you know version of the song. So it kind of makes you wonder if that if there's some truth to that. But apparently, according to Wayne Pittman, who played guitar on this record, he said that North State didn't lose the master tape. It just got out, bought out by um, you know ABC. They they took you know, ownership of that original master tape and then basically MCA owns it. But the real question is, is that if that is true, then why didn't, you know, see why, why for CD reissues of this record, do they still use the, the crude app, the app, very crude, very, uh, you know, weak sounding needle drop version of the song where it sounds like they just use, you know, a 45 RPM single and they use that as the master recording that gets distributed to the streaming platforms and gets used for, you know, CD re- reissues of this song. Why did they use that instead of the original master recording? If, this uh, MCA still has possessions of the still have this possession of the original master uh, tape of this song. Then wh- why do they why do they use the cr- the crummy needle drop version of the song where it's like the original forty five RPM version? So like you know it, it's some of these things you just you probably never gonna know the answer to them. But I mean this group is still playing to this guy with with just a different lineup. Um, you know Wayne Pittman serves as the manager of the group. And they did a one-time reunion at the Alabama Theater in Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. Uh, you know, they, re- they reunited, and, and that was in November 2003. And they basically, uh, I think they I think they, they, they received the Carolina Beach Music Association Hall of Fame Award um, during during that time. So, I mean, they're still playing together. I, you know, I, I wish I could talk to one of the original members of this band because it's such a fascinating scene with you know north carolina and just because one of there was a there was a huge studio in north carolina called arthur smith studios and that's where the 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 swingham dallins record double shot of my baby's love another good example of one of those carolina beach music groups um and that's where james brown recorded a bunch of hits too i mean like like a lot of a lot of hit songs he recorded at arthur smith studios in charlotte north carolina so i mean you know it's it's you know is this whole scene is very very fascinating and there's a whole XM radio channel on, 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 you know, Carolina beach music called Carolina shag. And it has a lot of songs of this genre of music. But if you don't, if you're really clueless on here, are some other good examples. I mean, the Tams had what kind of fool do you think I am? They had be young, be foolish, be happy. Another great other good examples of that. Um, Bill Deal and Rondell's were one of these who were actually a Carolina Beach music group, but they recorded mainly in New York. Had songs like May I, which was first recorded by Maurice Williams and Zodiac, and I have been hurt. And, you know, also they did a cover version of Kind of Fool Do You Think I Am. Also, the, the, both those songs were written by Ray Whitley. So, 
you know, um, you know, Ray Ridley did a lot to the Carolina Beach music scene. I mean, Chairman of the Board. I mean, you know, thirty six, forty two. I mean, whatever that song title is, that that, that song where, you know, that where where he's thirty nine four four. Uh, I I don't really know the exact title, but it's it's a song about a woman's measurements. I mean, that's not, that was another big hit in the Carolina Beach music scene. Um, you know, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, the leads. Who actually that was the showman, that wasn't. Uh, chairman of the board, but the showman uh, did also had a record called "It Will Stand." It, it did okay on the Hot 100. It did all right, um, but but yeah, actually the song was called "39 uh, 40. So that's that's the name of the song. It was it was about a woman's uh, measurements, but I mean, it did okay. I mean, it did peak number sixty one, and they did another song that you know that that yeah you know, that did all right, and it was it was popular in the Carolina Beach music scene. It was called, and yeah, that was called thirty one twenty one forty forty shape, and also, um, you know, it will stand. And he was he was in that group. The lead singer of that group, General Norman Johnson, was in the showman before he joined chairman of the board in the later sixties, and that gave me just a little bit more time and some other songs too. I think they also originally recorded Pat just too, which was a big, which wound up being a big hit for Clarence Carter in 1970. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because this is, this is a very, very fascinating scene and uh, a lot of really good songs came out of here. It's very, it's a very specific thing and some songs from New York, some Motown songs, I mean, from all over the place. I mean, this is really the melting pot of the white kids, you know, in, uh, in, 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 the so- in, in the South and the black kids. This is when they all kind of got together and got along. And this is really the, the when when both races really got together and really bonded over the exact same kind of music because they were they were kind of sick of the country stuff that was being played on the radio. They wanted to hear something different. They wanted to hear more of the black stuff, and that's how the Carolina Beach music scene came about. Hope you guys found this interesting. I'll see you next week where I'll talk about the actual war. Where actually, well, we're going to do a modern version of this. We're going to dive into a, a history behind a group that is still putting out music right now. They're a new, they're a new group, but they have the, the modern-day equivalent of this very specific genre of music. I can't wait to dive into that next week. But actually, a couple more things before we wrap up this podcast. I might Some of you might be wondering, okay, so this group was originally called the K's. But they changed their name to Cations. Why did they change their name to Cations? Well, because when they were registering their name, you know, because every band had to be part of the union in order to play in all the clubs in America at the time. There was a DJ in uh, in New York at the time named Murray the K, and a lot of people he honestly thought that his name, that their name, the K, sounded too similar to their name. So they changed themselves. They, they changed themselves their name to the Cation to uh, you know. So, uh, so they they could keep it close to the K's, you know, because they were uh, known as the K's when they played North and South Carolina, Georgia, and Virginia. So they they they, they changed their name the Cajuns to keep it close to their original name. And uh, some of you might be wondering, like, what, it, how exactly was this song written? And then basically, well, basically the story behind the song, how it was written, is that, you know, this group used to play Atlantic, down Atlantic Beach a lot. But when they would get back to their home, a lot of people would ask, like, hey, did you did you meet any girls? And they're like, well, we didn't meet any, but we did watch a lot of them. And then and then all of a sudden, one of, the, one of the band members in the group was like, hey, when you're the member, man, why don't you write a song called I'm a Girl Watcher? And, and the story behind the song is that a, a month before, he had written a tune and he hadn't even thought about putting an, any words to it yet. But then someone made that comment. And it was like a light, lightning, lightning bulb, lightning rod that went off and went off in his head. He said, "Okay, I will, and I'll go back and write it, and I'll be back next week with the finished song." And basically, the the the, the real thing that inspired him to write the song is that, um, you know, there there is this really gorgeous woman that would run by his house every afternoon after 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 work, and then he'd be at home. And she go by when he was when he was writing his songs, and then that's when you know, and basically that's when he wrote the song, in two nights out of that week, and that's essentially when uh, that song was uh, written, you know. So basically, um, you know, it's that's that's exactly the story behind "I'm a Girl Watcher," and just a quick little recap of what ha- what happened with this group after um, you know they they had their major success. So, um, ABC wanted they wanted a, a quick album to be put out as soon as I'm I'm a Girl Watcher became a hit, and Love Machine, you know, didn't you know only peaked at number seventy six. Um, you know, basically, uh, what happened was that 
they uh, they 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 think that the reason why you know Wayne Pittman thinks that this group was really not having too much success after Armager Washer was because partly of Atlanta promoter and manager Bill Lowry basically said, look, when they when when they when they got signed to North State. They, yeah, uh, you know, the 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 agency thought that they could sign any any the 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 label thought they could sign any they had the right to sign them any booking agency they wanted to, and they they basically signed them to Bill Lowry's a booking agency without their knowledge, and he and he was supposed to book them, and this was before Girl Watcher even started, but the fact of the matter is that Lowry just wasn't booking them enough, and we and they canceled their agreement with him, and then they signed Associated Booking in New York, and they were like, well. Lowry had a lot of power and contacts in the industry, and the word we got was what was that he put the kiss of death on us. So he promoted the record and made it a hit. The ABC wouldn't put a lot of money behind us after that. So there, that's kind of an interesting thing. So, you know, basically, you know, they canceled their agreement with Bill Lowry, but then, you know, Bill Lowry kind of punished them by promoting the record and making it a hit. But they, you know, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, they they signed with a different booking agency, but because Lowry had so much power and so much clout in the music industry, um, you know, the 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 label ABC kind of said, hey, look at, you know, we signed you with Bill Lowry, but you didn't want to work with him, so now we're going to punish you for that. So basically, uh, they they um they essentially just stopped working. With 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 uh you know they stopped having hits and they just became like a local band that you know played out of the you know the Car- the South Carolina and North Carolina beach music scene and basically um that's kind of what happened with the band it kind of just petered off into something else and also a lot of it had to do with the fact that you know um psychedelic rock was becoming huge and it was you know basically. Um, you know, it was it was really the drugs were starting to play and play a big role in a lot of popular songs, and you know, B- Wayne Pittman had zero interest in getting into that very specific genre of music, so uh, you know, basically he kind of dropped out of the music industry at that point because the things were kind of going that direction, um, which is kind of interesting because there was also the bubble of music of that time as well, but that's besides the point. But anyways. This group still c- plays together on 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 local level, not on the national level, but they had a really great one hit winner with this one. It's super super cool. But anyways, so that concludes episode number one hundred and seventy six of May Sixteen Music Podcast, the Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and if you guys learned some fascinating facts about this group and you love this song, you never heard it before, and you're a millennial and you're you're around my age and you're like, wow, this is such a great song and totally relate to it way to it because I'm a dude myself. Well, don't be a stranger. Please reach out to me. Email me at samltwilliaicloud.com. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at iheartoldies. And uh, please check out more of my original music at samwilliamsmusic.net as well as all the things you can check out in the links in the description of this podcast, which include the premium subscription version of this podcast. I have one more interview coming out very soon with a legendary session guitar player, Al Gogroni. I'll let you guys know when I have another interview booked, but as of right now, I don't. But when you subscribe to the premium subscription version of this podcast, you will get these six really cool interview episodes that I did, which are very, very fascinating and have a lot of really good information in them from guys from back then. So please go subscribe to that. Go to the premium. Go just go click on the link in the description of this podcast. You sign up, create a username and password with Supercast, and it will allow you to basically, um, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll give you a link to where you can sign up. So please go do that. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, so you can sign up, create a username and password, and then it'll, once you do that, it will take you to the private feed once you pay for it, and then you'll have access to those six really cool interview episodes. Okay. So please go do that. Also, check out the official uh, Spotify and YouTube playlist for this podcast. You'll be able to find all the songs I've talked about my show so far, including the ones I mentioned in the interview episodes. Um, also, uh, do check out my EP I put out last year. I'm almost done recording this next EP. All you need to do is put down lead vocals and uh, and background vocals uh, for these for these next batch of songs. So um, please go please go um, you know check out my last EP. But also bear in mind the next one is almost done. But for now, please go check out the last one because it's really really good. You know it's it's the songs are definitely just as good if not better than these ones I'm recording right now. So 
uh, please go do that. Um, by the way, this next EP is going to have brand new songs I wrote last year, so you're definitely going to want to listen to that one. But do, do listen to do listen to this the last one I put out as well. Um, you can email me at samltwilliamicloud.com. Let me know what you think of that EP. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at iheartoldies. And by the way, the name of that EP is called Turquoise Apricot. And that is also the name of the song that I'm re-recording and doing a long extended version of. So that's really cool. So please go do that and uh, check out the two interviews I did last year with Honk Magazine. Shout out LA. Hope to do more interviews soon. But um, I haven't gotten hit up by any publications. Hope to do more. Hope to get featured again soon. I don't know when that's going to happen, but hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, so also check out, um, the Redbubble merch store for this podcast. There's another way you can support me financially with doing this podcast, but the premium subscribers will also help each premium subscriber guy get will also help me out as well. Please go do that. We'd love it if you can let me know what you think of those, those logos and everything. And if you found that really interesting, fascinating, definitely let me know. Please email me at samltwilliamicloud.com. Let me know anything of those logos and the price of each on the store. And you know what? I mean, I, I might try to change those prices because I know that inflation's going on right now and things are very, very expensive. I might try to adjust those prices for you guys. So that way you can purchase something from the store. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys know when I do that. But yeah, so very, very exciting stuff. Um, you know, also, uh, I think that's about it as far as the stuff that you can check out. The link's in the description in this episode of this podcast. Oh yeah, the music video for Keeping My Back Pocket. I also did shoot... Another music video tur- for Turquoise Apricot, but I'm re-recording that song, and I really want the music video to ha- to be to that new re-recorded version of the song, the long version. It's going to be super cool, super psychedelic. Uh, that's kind of the plan as far as that is concerned. We are going to, um, you know, me and the videographer are going to shoot extra footage for the long version of the music video, so that way we can edit that in, and eventually that music video will come out, and it's gonna, it might be a while before it's actually out, but it will come out. Hopefully by this year, hopefully by the summer, we'll see. But anyways, so I am Sam Williams, and thank you guys for joining me for this week's episode of my podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. Until next week, please keep things groovy.